so much, Matthew. Well, it's good to be home. <laughs> so good to see each one of you and to have the privilege of being here with you. We uh, didn't know why the Lord changed my direction as to what I was going to speak on today until we got here this morning. I've uh, been working on a series of messages for, for the camp. I've got my last camp starting tomorrow for, for the season. And it's up at Chesley Lake. It's a, the fall seniors camp up there, and it's a, a, quite a large camp. I always look forward to, to that particular camp because the, the first year that I, I went to that camp, I, I went to the, uh, they have a June seniors camp, and they have a, a fall seniors camp. And uh, when I went up that first year in the June uh, seniors camp, I started the camp without May Emma being there with me. She still had a Bible study to finish up that she was attending and uh, so I was up there and and uh, she was going to her last Bible study was going to be Tuesday I think it was so she would be up on Wednesday and for the last part of the week with me and we got up there and uh, and uh, by, by Tuesday I was ready to go to the camp director and say I'm out of here I, I honestly I've never been so discouraged in teaching God's word as I was those first few days in that week people were there it was a you know it's a big camp and people there nothing they'd hardly sing they wouldn't carry their bibles uh they sat there as if uh, you know they they were uh, uh just why am i wasting my time type thing being there and, and i felt like i was wasting their time and my time and uh, uh i don't know what happened <laughs> but as I say, I was ready to go to the director and say, hey, get another speaker to finish a week or, or just cancel chapel because they're not interested. But when she got there, things changed. <laughs> Amazing change for me, first of all, but, but changed. The next morning, everybody was there, Bibles, smiles on their face, singing like crazy. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know. But they opened up to her. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's a, she's magic. <laughs> but, but they some some of the ladies opened up to her and said, "We were basically to put it, my paraphrase, we were blown out of the water. We have not been taught like this for years." And they didn't know how to respond. And they began to respond, and uh, they went to the director and asked me if I, if I could come back the next year and and the next year, and the next year, and so on. And so we've been there ever since then, the, the, the spring and, uh, and uh, the fall for those two camps. It's been great. Well, I've been preparing messages for this coming week. And uh, the Lord really laid it on my heart uh, because it's quite a mixed group of people. But he laid it on my heart. To, uh, to, when you're speaking to, to a mixed group of people, I, 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 I'm compelled uh, to be faithful to the Lord. And I can look at the people there in that camp, and I know that this group of people, about 60% of them, are way over here at this end of the theological perspective as far as where they attend church and stuff. And this group of people, the 40%, are just the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, So that two spectrums, you've got Reformed theologians, hyper-Calvinists, the other Mennonites, Arminian believe you can lose your salvation and all, you know, and but I the the Lord's enabled through the years, given grace and given wisdom to be able to to share faithfully God's word and bring them together, okay, and seen some tremendous movement on both sides uh, in those extreme doctrines uh, of coming to, to to the balance of the truth. But anyhow, I was really burdened to to uh, from reading uh, in in August at the. Uh, the camp up north, uh, going through the scriptures, and all of a sudden, a, a word began to jump out at me as I was reading the scriptures, and and it's a, it's an amazing word. It's a it's a small word. A, L, L. All. Good. All. And, you know what all means? All means all. All of the time. And if it doesn't mean all, it means nothing at all. <laughs> okay? And, and so I started preparing as I'm going through, and I found out in the, in the King James translation, there, there are 
uh, right at 7,000 times that the word all is used in over 6,000 verses of scripture. So you read, and, and you know, we, we get so used to it, we don't even think of, of these words that, but I tell you, there are some times where that word is so significant. And so I've been putting a, 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 this series of messages together, the, the, the amazing alls of the Bible, the all of scripture, the all of sin, the all of the Savior, the all of salvation, the all of supplication, the all of, of supply, the all of surrender, the all of sac. You know, you go through, and, and so I've got 14 messages I'm working on right now uh, for, for this camp. I won't be using them all up there, so I probably three or four years I could use the same series up there. But I was, I was going through and, and uh, putting these messages together, and, and last Sunday I... I, I preached one of them at, at Exeter, and uh, boy, I, I was so excited about it. <laughs> it's a subject I love. You know that I love the Bible. And so it's the all of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And and, and so I, I dealt with that. And and I thought, well, you know, boy, that I know that, that faith believes that, but boy, this would really encourage them. And so I thought, I'm going to use that at faith. And then the Lord said no. And so I said, well, okay, then I'm going to use the all of Christ. Well, what do we have in the early meeting? Word of Matthew, read. Colossians chapter 1. That's where we find he's all in all. He created all things. All things were made for him and by him. And, you know, so, but I had ruled that out because I felt the Lord, there was something that, that he really laid on my heart this morning it has nothing to do with all. Okay? <laughs> so now then you can just file that word all in your memory and when you read the scriptures, note it. And look for those important scriptures where you read that all scripture. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's all in all. Okay? We have all sinned. Okay? Hey, God's desire for us is that we all come to salvation. You see, And, and you go through and and but but I think that there's something that we've really missing as believers. And it's been really on my heart for, for some time. And so I, I've been working on, on this the believer priest and New Testament sacrifice. One of the things that we have held in the in the assemblies, most Protestant evangelical churches have held to the priesthood of the believers. Okay. We believe that. We believe that every person who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is a priest of God. And we believe that because the scriptures teach that and tell us that. It's not like in the Old Testament where there were a, a certain family, the tribe of Levi, and in the tribe of Levi, certain Levites uh, served the, the Lord, but others were of the family of Aaron, and they were the priests in being able to offer sacrifice to God, to go into the presence of God, and so on. And in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we do not go through a human priest today. There are still groups in the world today. There are still uh, organized religious groups that believe that you have to go through a priest, a high priest, the, their priest. You know. Well, the scriptures do not teach that. The scriptures teach the priesthood of every believer. But the scriptures also teach that as believer priests, we have the privilege of going into the presence of God. We have the privilege of interceding for the people. We have all these privileges and responsibilities. But a number of those, just like in the Old Testament, they, the priests were the ones that offered the sacrifices to God. We don't think about that really today. And yet the New Testament tells us that there are sacrifices that we are to offer to God as believer priests. And so I want to very quickly just look at this matter this morning. The fact that we are believer priests, I want to establish that, how to become a believer priest and so on. And then of the sacrifices, acceptable sacrifices, that we are to offer to God. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter and I'm going to start reading with chapter 1. 
and I, verse 17, and I want to read through chapter 2, verse 10. Now, obviously, you know me well enough to know that we're not going to look at all these verses. But we need to have the scripture here to get it in context and to understand uh, the, the things that, that, that the scriptures here are teaching us about it. So it starts in chapter 1, verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I know that's a long scripture reading, but to me it lays the, the, the first part in chapter 1 lays a foundation for us that we need to understand. If you'd go to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, you'd find that when it talks about the priesthood of all believers, uh, that this, this is the definition that's given for the priesthood of all believers a doctrine of the Protestant Christian Church where every individual has direct access to God without ecclesiastical mediation and each individual shares the responsibility of ministering to the other members of the community of believers. I tell you, I was amazed at this definition when I read it. That's a good definition. Okay, Every believer, or every individual, it says, has direct access to God. We do not have to go to a, a, a man to approach God for us. We don't have to pray to a, a man or a woman in order to have access to God. All right? And we don't have, so therefore it says, the ecclesiastical mediation. We do not have to have a an individual to intercede or to mediate for us. There's one mediator between God and man, and who's that? The man, Christ Jesus. And that's the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came. And so each one of us, because we're believer priests then, the definition goes on and says, we share the responsibility of ministering to one another. All right? 
and again, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever ever done it, but but uh, there's about 30 plus responsibilities in the New Testament that we have to one another as believers. It's one another in responsibilities. This passage, we're to love one another, for instance. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to pray for one another. We're to, to comfort one another. And you go through and, and all these responsibilities. And how can we do that? Because we are believer priests. We can minister to other members of the body. We can do those things, carry those responsibilities to each other. And so we do believe that the Bible teaches that we are priests of God. Twice in the passage that we've just read, we read in verse 5, for instance, you are a holy priesthood to offer up acceptable spiritual sacrifices or to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And it's because of him that the sacrifices that we, we do offer are acceptable. Okay, It's because of the finished work of Christ that we can, can be believer priests and that they're acceptable. So we're a holy priesthood. As a holy priesthood, we are privileged to go into the presence of God with these sacrifices. And as we see the sacrifices, we'll understand. Uh, I think why I'm saying the holy priesthood is the fact that we have been declared righteous, we are, we are made holy, and therefore we have access to God with the sacrifices to give to Him. And then if you drop on to verse 9, it says that we are a royal priesthood. And as a royal priesthood, once we, as a holy priest, we've gone into the presence of God, then we come out as a royal priesthood. We're representing now the royalty. We're representing our king. And we come, and what do we do? We show forth his praises, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people of God, we, could, we had no praises to show to others. Now we do because of his marvelous, uh, because we have been called out of darkness and transferred or translated into this marvelous light. We weren't the people of God, but now we are. We had not obtained mercy, but now we've obtained, obtained mercy. And so we have this great message to tell other people. And this message is really a message of, of praise to him. And so the Bible declares the priesthood of all believers. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. A royal priesthood then to proclaim his praises to others. As priests, we are a privileged people. I think we forget that. We get so taken up with the affairs of this life that we forget how blessed we are, how privileged we are, how much we have in Christ. And so when you look at this, notice just some of the ways that, that we're described. Besides being a, a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood, we're described as living stones. Okay? We're described as being built up a spiritual house. We're described as being a chosen generation. We're described as being a holy nation. Now these are all descriptions of, of the body of Christ. And if you're a believer, you're part of that body, you see. And so we're these things. But I love this one. We're his own special or peculiar people. Okay. The problem is, we've lost our peculiarity. We have become so much like the world that the world doesn't realize how special we are. And what a blessing we as Christians are to be to the world when we manifest and radiate and show forth the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are five descriptions besides the priesthood. So there's six descriptions here of each one of us a holy priest, a royal priest, a living stone, a spiritual house, a chosen generation, a holy nation, and his own special people. Okay. Think about that. 
Think of who you are in Christ. It's not who you are in light of the family you were born into. Okay? Very few people know the Carell family. <laughs> okay? I tell you, oh, we marvelous family. You ought to get to know. Should have known my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my mom, dad. Oh, just marvelous, you know? <laughs> right? No, it's not because of the physical family, but it's because of who we are in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from him, we are nobody. We're nothing. Okay? But in him, look at how what we have and how special we are to be to this world. And so the purpose, the purpose as you read through for being these things really is so that we can represent Christ rightly in this world. So as a believer priest, we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices and we're to proclaim his praises. But the question I want to ask now is how do I become a believer priest. I mean, I am one, and I think all of you are, are believer priests. But how did you become a believer priest if you are? Or if you're not, how do you become one is the question. Well, I believe that there's a threefold basis that's given to us here in First Peter as to how to become a believer priest and offer acceptable spiritual sacrifices. How to become a believer priest? We have to be born into the right family. And again, I'm not talking about the Corrells or, or uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, each one of you. You know, I'm not talking about that physical family. In the Old Testament, the priest, not just any Jewish person could be a priest. They had to be born into the right family. Now, you and I have to be born into the right family. Spiritual birth. In 1 Peter chapter 1, a couple of times we read about how important this. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, verse 18, with corruptible things like silver and gold, you, you can't buy your way into this family. Okay? And so it's not by... Uh, with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Right? The precious blood of Christ. Remember in the early meeting this morning, it was quoted uh, the words of, of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. How does he do that? He was a sacrificial lamb. So he not only is our high priest who, who entered once and for all for us, not like the Old Testament priest that had to go in every year and, and uh, with blood. He offered his own blood. We're redeemed not with corrupted things, but with the precious blood of Christ. He was just like a lamb without spot or blemish. There were, he was sinless. He was the perfect sinless Son of God. And so he was without blemish and without spot. And therefore we can be redeemed. But if you go on down a little bit further on in verse 23 of chapter 1, being born again. Right? So this is where I'm saying you've got to be born into the right family. So you've got to be redeemed, and that ought to be a given. We ought to understand that. But it's being born into the right family. Being born again. Again, not of corruptible seed. Remember, we weren't redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold. Not by corruptible seed, by man's word but what is it the incorruptible by the word of God which lives and abides forever okay. now I'm excited for you that can go to the Bible study starting tomorrow night because I tell you uh, we, we did not know until this uh, until last week uh, uh, one of the very well known evangelical you know, Andy Stanley uh, it, it's amazing how he has basically thrown over the Old Testament scriptures. No longer are they the authority. Uh, we read uh, uh, yesterday I had uh, 
the three-page uh, uh, article that was given to me uh, of quoting uh, the words of Stanley, uh, of Andy Stanley, you know, and his absolute denial of the authority of the scriptures. And if it comes down to a choice, science or the word, science settles the argument. His father's not like that. Pardon? His father wasn't like that. Well, I didn't think Andy was either until you look into this series of messages that he's, he's given that where this came out. So we, God's word, and, and this is, uh, uh, again, as I say, uh, one of the alls, all scripture, the purity of the word. It's not just some of the scripture. It's all scripture. And it's not just uh, the ideas behind the scripture. It's verbal, plenary inspiration of the scriptures. And the scriptures are the absolute and final authority in all matters. Okay? And so we have to realize it. You weren't saved by hearing what a man said. You were, you're saved by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? And so you cannot experience new birth if you've not heard the word, the true word, God's word, right, given to us. And so spiritual birth being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. It's eternal. And verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And Peter says, this is the word which by the gospel is preached. Okay. So it's the word of God. Plus nothing, minus nothing. The word of God is the answer, is the key. So if you're going to be a believer priest, you have to be born again. And being born again means you're born into the right family. You're now a child of God. As many as received him, John 1.12, to them, to that person, to those who believe, he gives the power, the right, the authority to become a son of God. You see. And so, through the word and with that right when you're born again you have become a believer priest you now have access to the very presence of God you can go boldly to the throne of grace you can offer acceptable sacrifices because those sacrifices come through Christ in him and so we're born again but in order to offer acceptable spiritual sacrifices, we have to be a priest, so you've got to be born into the right family. You have to, secondly, live a separated life, a spiritual life. Notice when you get into Second Peter chapter 2, and, and it's also in chapter 1, but in chapter 2, it says, Wherefore, right? Since you've been born again, since you, you, you've been redeemed through that precious blood of Christ, lay aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envies and evil speakings. Okay? you got to lay these things aside. And what's the thing that becomes prominent in your life? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So you've got to live a different life. You've got to be separate. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You've got to grow in the Lord. So that's really the third. Spiritual life. Deal with sin and then grow. Thirdly, grow. Spiritual growth. How much do you cherish God's word? I remember Jeremiah 16, 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. For thy word was the joy and rejoicing in my heart. Is God's word the joy and rejoicing of your heart? You ought to, just like a, a newborn baby, just, you know, can't wait for that bottle. You know, can't wait for that, that nourishing milk from the mother. Just anticipating. And, and you know, that's the way we ought to be with God's word. And so we have to, to grow spiritually. And if you grow spiritually, you've got to have a balanced diet. You've got to have the milk of the word. 
You've got to have the water of the word. You've got to have the bread, which is the word of life, the word of God. You have to have these things in your in your life. You've got to feed. And again, I tell you, you've got to learn to feed yourself. It's nice to be able to come Sunday morning and, and someone sort of help you, you know, some food. It's nice to go to Bible study Monday night and again, someone there to, to help feed you. But you got to more. You can't survive just on two meals a week. You got to be in the Word for yourself every day. Okay. So you need to learn to feed yourself, and you do that by reading God's Word. First Timothy chapter four verse thirteen. Paul told Timothy, "Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Read the Word. You have to study God's Word." 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to memorize the scripture. Psalm 119 verse 9 and verse 11 Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay. You've got to be able to, to meditate on God's word. Psalm 1-2 where we delight in his word it's the meditation of our heart day and night. And then we have to communicate God's word. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, inspired by God, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commitment thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so you've got those four generations. Someone that Paul, who taught Timothy, Timothy who is to commit to faithful men, and those faithful men who are to teach others also. See? And so it's important. We've got to be in the Word, feed ourselves. And then we also need to exercise if we're going to grow physically you have to have a good diet you also have to have exercise and for us as believers exercise basically is takes things as, as prayer men ought always to pray and not faint if you don't exercise you get weak pretty quick don't you so I haven't been able to exercise like I used to love to do and, and well I shouldn't say I love to exercise I love to work I love to, to do certain things but to get out and do calisthenics, no. But uh, <laughs> but the, the reality is you have to exercise. And if you don't, it's amazing how, amazing how quickly you grow weak, your muscles. Now part of my, I, I, I find the, the, the hardest part for me of this journey with cancer has been the weakness, not being able to do what I normally do. I just, the, this week I, I got so frustrated something that I normally would have just not even thought about. I picked up and just moved it. You know? And I tell you, it was such a strain to even try to move it. And I was almost in tears. I was so frustrated because I didn't have the strength. Yeah, part of it, can't exercise right now. Can't do the things I normally did. But, uh, you know, we've got to exercise. Prayer. Fellowship with other believers. Uh, uh, you know, we, we need that fellowship. That's part of our exercise as believers. Forsake not the assembling yourselves together as a man or something. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I tell you, we need fellowship one with another. And uh, it seems today we look for the, the slightest excuse not to show up as opposed to, to uh, say, hey, listen, this is more important than that ache that I had or I didn't sleep last night very well. Uh, forget it. This is important because you're going to grow weaker if you don't. You need that kind of exercise together. And then, you know, if, if you're not growing, there's going to be some signs of stunted growth, spiritual growth. It's going to be childish behavior. You're not going to be able to take the solid food, the meat of the word. You're not going to be able to teach others. You're not going to have spiritual discernment. Hebrews chapter 5, the, the last three or four verses uh, really speak of those things very clearly. And you're going to be easily led astray. And so that's why we need this to be growing spiritually. Okay, so let's move on. The priesthood of all believers. We're all priests if we're saved, born again, redeemed. But to offer acceptable spiritual sacrifices, there's got to be that separation from sin. There's got to be growth in our life. There's got to be that hunger for the word, spiritual discernment, and so on. So what are acceptable spiritual 
sacrifices. Well, in the Old Testament, if you go, for instance, to the book of Leviticus, you would find in the first five chapters of the book of Leviticus, five Levitical offerings. Okay, There were five primary offerings. There were other offerings, and again, I'm amazed if you read, when you read the Old Testament, how many other offerings that it talks about. You know, the free will offering and, and uh, other, all, just all kinds of offerings. But in the New Testament, I have found four offerings that should characterize every believer. Four offerings that God wants us as believer priests to offer and to offer to him. The first is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You can probably quote it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Offer yourself as a sacrifice. The first thing God wants, and I can again remember... When I was young and down in the States, uh, Uncle Sam, pointing that finger, we want you. Well, that's God. God wants you. God wants me. We have to be, okay, I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'm to glorify God in my body and my spirit, which are his. Okay. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're born again into God's family, when you become a believer priest, you are no longer your own. Okay. You've been set apart to serve him. If just to keep you from hell was the only purpose of your salvation, you'd have been saved and he'd have taken you home immediately. He saved you to serve him. Heaven is a wonderful benefit, but it's not the purpose of our salvation. Okay. It's a product of our salvation. The purpose that we're saved is to serve. All right? And so, the first sacrifice, Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, we are to offer the sacrifice of ourself. Now, again, if you notice in the context of that, uh, if you want to turn to Romans 12 very, very quickly and just look at a couple things uh, in, in, in this, the context and in, in uh, again, I think so often we, we forget the context. When we read the Bible, I've read my two chapters or I've read my five chapters, and we sort of stop and we pick up the next day with the next chapter and we don't make all the connections that we ought to make. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He says, I'm making this request to you. I, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you. All right. Why? based upon the fact of this great salvation, this great doctrine that he's just developed from chapter 1 right through chapter 11. Because of all these wonderful truths, you know, truth of, of uh, the uh, sinfulness of man, the truth of the righteousness of God through justification, the sanctification, these great doctrinal truths that have been given. He says, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present. Maybe we ought to read this word instead of present, present. Okay, Make a present of yourself. Give yourself, is what he's saying to us. And so we're told, because of the deliverance we've had, we need to make that dedication, commitment, of our life to Jesus Christ. And what does he want? I find this interesting. Because again, we don't think, well, God wants me. But what's me? Me is that which is housed in this body. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. God doesn't want us, and I hear so many through the years, I've heard so many young people and so many uh, career people in their career stage of their life well when I get older you know listen God will still take you when you're older but God wants you when you're 
young when you've got your life and your energy and you know and and present your body because if he's got your body he's got you okay and that body is to be living and it's to be holy okay because of our relationship with Jesus Christ present your bodies so we've got as we look at this our deliverance so there should be our dedication and if there's a dedication then there's takes some discipline in our life if you're really serious about serving the Lord some discipline be not conformed to this world why is it that today we're to be like the world. That's what every Christian seems to be told. You've got to be like the world. No, you don't. We're to be different. You see, We're not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed. And so when we are disciplined, we're not conformed to the world, then it's when we are at the place where we get direction. Then we can know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I can tell you, there is nothing better than doing God's will. And I also like to tell you this. God's will is not something scary and fright and frightening and something that you have to be, well, if I do his will, it's going to be sent, he's going to send me to the darkest corner of who knows where. No, no. God's word is God. This is where God gives us what his will is. And if you do this, it's just going to be taking the next logical step every day. And so do his will. So there's a sacrifice of self. Secondly, is another acceptable sacrifice, and I will make this one very brief and to the point, because everybody says all the church ever does is ask for money, and that's not true. But... It's a sacrifice of our material goods. Philippians chapter 4, we read in Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 10 through 19, if we could read that whole section, and we won't take the, the time to read it all. But when you get down in this, we, we find out that, that uh, we're to give. The believers in Philippi had given to the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 15, or verse 14, he says, Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So Paul, evidently, the, the church at Philippi had been faithful in supporting the apostle Paul. But they had given. So he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. It says, not because I desire a gift, He's thanking God for the gift. But he says, I'm not doing this because I desire another gift or desire a gift. He says, this is what I desire. I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He says, I have all. I abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. And what, were, what was that, the, that gift that they had sent to him? An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable well-pleasing to God. So the believers in Philippi had sacrificed material goods, material, their, their, their money, right, in order to help in the, in the Lord's work. So this is a sacrifice that is to be so in every one of our lives. Our giving, there's a number of scriptures we could look at, but basically it should be purposeful. As a man purposes at heart, it should be cheerful. It should be laughing as you reach for your wallet or your checkbook. Okay? And it should be basically as God has prospered you. And a lot of people don't realize God cannot prosper you because you think you can take care of yourself. And you put your needs before his needs. Okay? And so, giving. And then we have, thirdly, the sacrifice of praise. So the sacrifice of ourself, the sacrifice of, of our, our material possessions, material goods, 
and the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. In Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, uh, we, we read verse chapter 13, if you want to turn there, because there's two sacrifices here in Hebrews 13. In verse 15, Hebrews 13, verse 15, says, By him, therefore, this is by the Lord Jesus Christ, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, this is something that should characterize every believer. It should be a natural response in every situation, every circumstance. But it's not. Okay. It's not. It should be. To give to him. What is it called here? Giving to him the sacrifice of praise. When things are good, when things are, are comfortable, when the things are going the way we like them? No. Continually. Always. In every situation, every circumstance, all the time. We should be giving thanks to God. That is a spiritual sacrifice we read. It's the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to His name. What's your problem today? You want to know how to lessen that problem? Just start giving thanks to God for it. may not remove the problem, but it's sure going to give you grace and strength to face the problem. Thanking God for it. And then the last circumstance, uh, excuse me, sacrifice that we're to make. So one's a sacrifice of ourselves. Two is a sacrifice of our material goods. Three is a sacrifice of our lips, giving thanks continually. Okay? And we read in the scriptures in 1 Thessalonians, in all things, and in Ephesians, for all things, we give the thanks. And then finally, in verse 16, to do good and to communicate. Maybe we can make this two sacrifices, but they're put together here in verse 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You want to please God? And I'm sure that every one of us say, yeah, we want to please God. You want to please God? Basically, what are we to do? We are to serve Him. Do good. Your good works aren't going to save you. Remember that? They don't save you. A lot of people think that if I'm just good enough or in the end my good's going to outweigh my bad. And No, no. Okay. It's only the goodness of Christ that can save us. To do good, we are saved, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're saved to serve. We're to work out our salvation. Our works show the world that we're saved. Our works do not save us. And so we're to serve we're to do the right things in the right way at the right time the right motive so often we we uh, sometimes try to do the right thing but our motives are wrong okay. well you're wasting your effort we have to do okay unto good works we are to communicate by the way, when it comes to to the uh, scriptures, remember that we're to be not just hearers of the word, we are to be doers of the word. And so we're to offer the sacrifice of doing good, and part of that doing good is communicating. Communicating. And communicating we usually think of with our lips, with our words. But I tell you, we also communicate an awful lot by our life. 
if your life is contradicting, contradicting what you're saying, then shut up. <laughs> okay? Make sure that your life backs up your words and your words that you speak are evidenced by your life. The greatest damage is being done in Christianity today, basically, is people who say they're Christians, talk the line, but live like the world. We are to be different. You're a believer priest. Thank God. Offer to Him the acceptable spiritual sacrifices. And it's going to revolutionize your life and it's going to reach those around you because they're going to see Christ is real. So remember the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. The question, are you the believer priest? As I say, I think I know all of you here well enough this morning to say that my understanding is you are. Okay, But we don't know that. Only you know your heart before the Lord. Don't just put on a front. Be honest between your heart, yourself and God. Are you born again? Are you a believer priest? Are you functioning as a believer priest? Are you going into the presence of God with these sacrifices? Are you showing forth to the world? Are you proclaiming his praises to the world? So are you functioning as a believer priest? If not, then look to him. Ask him, God, what do I need to change? What do you need to change? What do we need to change so that we are functioning as a way we're to function? We're living the way we're to live as your child, as a citizen of your kingdom, as in all those ways his special people we living as we ought. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you for your word. It is living and powerful. Father, your word is life-changing, transforming. It's through the word that we are saved. It's through the word that we get the food for growth. It's through the word that you use us and teach us. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you not just for the written word that's living. We thank you for the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, it's all about him. And we want to thank you that even the sacrifices we can offer only offer up through him. So we're grateful for your great love for us in sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our Lord Savior. We give you thanks in his precious name. Amen. Well, God bless. Thanks so much for letting me come back. We look forward to seeing you soon.